Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Enthusiast & Co. I hope you're alright, I hope you're well, I hope the sun is shining wherever you are, although not too much because it was roasting last week and I still haven't recovered. <laughs> um, today's episode I'm really excited about and I know that's like the boy who cries wolf because I'm excited about them all. Um, but today I'm really excited because I'm joined by the lovely Nina from The Career Girl and from Nina Lee London. And The Career Girl is a platform that tells women's stories about how they got to the, into the careers they got um, in all of the wonderfully weird and wiggly ways that that happens. Um, and I mean, just on that premise alone, I knew I loved it already. But then, I mean, basically what you hear in this episode is just like, hopefully a friendship forming. I mean, that's how I feel. I'm not sure Nina might be listening to it. Like, God, I never want to speak to Ellie again. Um, but essentially what you hear is just 25,000 times of me going, oh my God, Nina, yes! Um, because we are kindred spirits. I don't think I realised quite how much until we started recording. Um, but it was an absolute pleasure to chat to Nina. It was life affirming in ways I didn't even know I needed it affirmed. And I hope you love listening to it as much as I love recording it. Enjoy! Nina. Hi Ellie. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yes, I'm all right, thank you. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm well excited to chat to you. Oh no, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> uh, so first of all, could you tell people um, just a really brief, well it doesn't have to be really brief, I'll take that back, let me do that again. Please tell us for as long as you'd like, um, <laughs> just a bit about you and who you are um, before we dive into your brilliant enthusiasms. Great. Um, yeah, so my name is Nina Chang and I wear a couple of hats. Um, <laughs> I run my own sewing pattern company, which is called Nina Lee London. So I sell digital and print sewing patterns. So that's kind of my current day job. But on the side, I also have a passion project, which is called The Career Girl, um, which is a website which profiles young women doing interesting or unconventional careers the sorts of jobs that you probably weren't told about at school and through that we're trying to make women aware of the huge range of work opportunities that are out there. Which I absolutely, I mean it's very pertinent because we're recording this obviously the day after yes. um, A-Level Results Day um, which obviously did not go well for a lot of people through mm -hmm. circumstances completely out of their control so I think this is a this is definitely um, a conversation that I have you know been ha been having loads of times over the years anyway as somebody who took a less than linear career path but especially now I think it's so incredible that people like you are doing this kind of thing and making it more visible and breaking down those kind of taboos and, and letting people know there are options because like it is so I mean when did I leave school six years ago it was terrifying as somebody who didn't want to you know keep up in the academic rat race and like do what was expected it was terrifying so I think I'd have been so much better off if I'd have had something like the career girl out there so I'm just very very glad that the the women of today do have I'm sad that you didn't set it up six years ago Nina why didn't you think of me I know I know to be honest it's something I've wanted to set up for years and um I only really got around to it turns out setting up your own business is quite time consuming <laughs> who knew <laughs> <laughs> um so I finally got around to launching The Career Girl last autumn, and then it's actually only really been since lockdown um, earlier this year that I was able to take it sort of to the next level. So we have a newsletter now and weekly blog posts with advice and tips and um, stories from people who've been there, and we are adding new profiles to the site every week. And it's, it is super exciting, and I think 
I really hope this is a resource that's helpful to people because it's certainly something that I wish I'd had when I was younger. And and even now, you know, you, it doesn't go away that feeling, I think, for most of us of, I don't know what I'm doing. What's next? What's coming next? What should I be doing with my yeah, life? Yeah, definitely. Um, I promise I will get onto enthusiasms in, in a minute because <laughs> I feel like people are like, we're three minutes in, you've not mentioned enthusiasm yet, Ellie. Are you feeling okay checking your temperature? But can I just ask from a per- purely personal viewpoint, what, what's your career journey been like? What did you, how did you get to where you are, I guess? Yeah, so one of the reasons that I started the career girl is also because so many people when I've been doing different jobs have said well how did you get there and it's one of those very higgledy-piggledy paths that sort of from a bird's eye view you can see some links but whilst you're in it it feels very um weird and wonderful (laughs) so I studied English Lit at university um with no particular goal in mind just because that was my favorite subject and back then that's what we all did um and then when I graduated I was pretty clueless I knew I didn't want to go off and become a lawyer or any of the other very corporate roles that were offered to us basically by the university career service yep um I had whilst at university I'd had a summer job at Buckingham Palace as you do casual yeah (laughs) but that's the thing so when I was doing that job people would always be like how did you get that as though I must be distantly related to the royal family or something I was like (laughs) I just went on their website and applied. <laughs> Breaking down barriers one step at a time. Just like, here's, here's the secret, everybody. I went online. The internet. It's a wonderful place. Um, so I'd had this summer job working at Buckingham Palace. And I went back to do that the summer after I graduated. Because, you know, what else? Yep. Um, and it was really, really good fun. It was basically like an extended freshers week in Buckingham Palace. <laughs> That is like my dream and I didn't know I had that dream until you just said that and I was like god I want that so much Nina oh my god. Um, But through that I was um I was following like a private tour that a curator was giving and it turned out this curator was a very young man who worked at the V&A and I was I just looked at him and I was like I didn't know people that young could be curators so I went up and spoke to him after the tour and, um, and we got chatting and he said, well, actually, we need a volunteer in our team. We need some some extra help. And of course, let's be open here. Like the museum said, we can't pay you, mm-hmm. but there is work here that needs to be done if you're interested in it as work experience. So I went off and spent six months working at the V&A um, as a unpaid assistant curator which was incredible experience. I mean, the experiences that I had access to there were amazing. But I also, I worked there part-time and I also did other jobs, you know, your normal kind of part-time jobs to support myself and um, was living at home for part of that. And then I went back again to Buckingham Palace because it was summertime again and (laughs) I sort of felt the call. Um, And at the end of that summer, a job came up at the Royal Collection, which is the the sort of commercial arm of the Royal Household, well, the Royal Collection Enterprises. They manage the buildings and the art um, and all the objects inside the buildings. They manage those on behalf of the monarch for the nation. Mm -hmm. So they have a publishing house, or at least um, until recently. (laughs) They had a publishing house, I'm not quite sure now. Um, and they advertised for a publishing assistant. And of course, 
for me, it just seemed like the perfect serendipitous job I'd been waiting for. I had an English degree. I'd done publishing experiences at university, like I worked on the student newspaper. But I'd also worked in museums and I knew the Royal Collection through working at Buckingham Palace. Yeah, you were applying so, and you were like, look, there, I didn't think there was a perfect middle of the Venn diagram, <laughs> but I am it and this job is it and we need to put these two together. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and unfortunately, that all worked out for me and I got that job and I stayed in that role for a few years because it was just brilliant. I worked with such an amazing team of women and we made books on everything from um royal pets to to amazing works of art um some would say they were both the same thing i mean which one would you rather work on <laughs> <laughs> um so that was just a brilliant experience and but after being there for a few years i was asked by another museum publishing house um whether i would go and be their business development manager which sounded just like a really exciting opportunity so off I went um, and it was great, but it turns out I'm not really a business development personality um, and I missed the creative side of my work that I yeah. had at the Royal Collection. So I began to feel very frustrated and also was having that sort of, I don't know what I'm doing now crisis because really I realised up to that point I just sort of taken opportunities that had presented themselves immediately before me with no longer term plan. Yeah. So I was freaking out and I was simultaneously obsessing about sewing. I've always been someone who was really into sewing. I started sewing when I was a child. I've been making my own clothes since I was in my mid-teens. But by this point, it kind of taken over all of my brain. Um, <laughs> and sewing was having a resurgence at the time. Um, there were new sewing pattern companies that were much more youthful and modern and contemporary yeah. than the ones I'd grown up with. And the sewing bee had come back previously on TV. And yeah, it seemed like um, an, an industry that was growing and evolving. And I decided that what I really wanted to do was run a sewing pattern company. And I had zero experience in running a company in being self-employed in actual pattern drafting but that's what I decided I was going to do so I quit my publishing job everyone was a little bit surprised <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a quite an about turn um and then it actually took me just over a year to get to the point where I was ready to launch my business and in that time I still did freelance publishing work for my old employers mm -hmm. um and I also started doing freelance dressmaking. So I made two wedding dresses and two sets of bridesmaids dresses and some other bespoke commissions to keep to keep the bills paid. <laughs> um, yeah, and I trained myself um, to be a pattern drafter through a combination of online and in-person courses. I was going to say, you said that very offhand, as if that was just like something everyone does, but I can't, that is, the levels of skill that that requires is just absurd. <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was a pretty intense year. I did, <laughs> I did sort of um, spend just hours and hours guzzling all the information I could get and making tiny samples miniature scale garments and trying things with paper and pinning and cutting 
it was pretty exciting though. I think it's um it's always very rewarding when you're suddenly thrown into learning something completely new. Yeah, definitely. Um, and because I basically didn't have any budget to set up the company, I also learn all the other stuff myself so I built the website myself and I did all the photography myself and I created all the pattern documents like the pdfs with illustrations I did all of that myself um which is looking back probably a little you know more than I should have done <laughs> probably should have just tried to delegate a bit but it's that um, sort of startup mindset though isn't it I'm exactly the same like yeah. I, I think I only invested in like a proper branding kind of person you know two and a half years into my business when actually if I'd have just saved up that money at the start I would have been so much better off because I'd have known what the hell I was doing <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um but, oh, I love that so much because like career paths is something that really fascinate me as well so my mum was a um full disclosure my mum was a careers advisor um oh. but she desperately hated the government system of careers advice and that was why she left it in the end because obviously like you know the jobs were in schools which wanted her to follow the government advice whereas she wanted to you know have spent half a day with students really deep diving on what they really enjoy doing mm. and you know not force them into the kind of tests that we've all done that tell us to be you know bricklayers or doctors or archaeologists or whatever random occupations we've never thought of in our lives before um yeah. and so yeah I, I mean I love hearing about people's journeys anyway um but you're so what I particularly love about yours is that as you say yourself you didn't necessarily have a longer term plan and you just kind of picked the bits that you liked based on your skill set and what you enjoyed and then actually it kind of all came together um and kind of set you up for what you didn't even know you were setting yourself up for which I absolutely just think is the best part of a wiggly career because it does all you know more often than not it does all come together in the end in one way or another doesn't it which I think is a really nice like serendipitous journey yeah completely and I think that's something that you see quite a lot in the profiles on the career girl is people didn't start out at 16 17 going right I know what I want to be doing in 10 years time and it's this really specific niche role yeah (laughs) and they they went off and sort of bravely just floundered around a bit and it is amazing how sometimes things opportunities do present themselves if you are really open to doing and trying anything yeah um you know I mean if I if I'd never looked at that curator at that event and thought how on earth did you get there you're so young (laughs) and actually gone over and spoken to him probably none of my subsequent jobs would have happened for me yeah. And I, that's um, that's another thing I really loved. From, I mean, I loved all of what you said, obviously, but that's uh, another thing I really loved that it all kind of, as you say, sparked from you just having the, the, the guts to go over and just kind of ask more questions. Because I feel like that is something that people either don't do enough, like they don't want mm. to impose, they don't want to ask questions, they don't, you know, they think of it as something very distant that they can't quite get involved in. Or the other way, I think sometimes, you know, we ask career questions, but we do it in a very calculated way you know we Mm. do it to network or whatever other kind of like business buzzwords which are totally fine but actually I think the genuine curiosity and just openness and willingness to be open I think is so admirable there and yeah as you say that was kind of where all the seed that planted it oh how exciting (laughs) yeah and um I think what you're saying about asking questions I also think that most people are absolutely thrilled to be asked about themselves oh my god yeah <laughs> it's just most people would love to talk about their job and how they got there and what it's like but most other people are afraid to ask and I know I've been like that I mean I've had friends 
who've been doing really interesting things that I don't really understand what it is they do or how they got there. And I feel nervous about asking. And that's ridiculous. If you can't ask your friends, how are you ever going to go up to a stranger? That is so funny, Nina. I feel like I'm really being seen here because <laughs> I a lot of my school friends have just graduated this year because they all, uh, you know, a couple of them did law conversions, like mm. two-year law conversions, and a few of them are doctors. Um, and it's now too far in to ask them what stage yeah. they're at. So they all use, like, obviously all the industry-specific lingo, like paralegal and solicitor and training contracts. And I feel like I'm too far in now because they've been, you know, on this career path for two or three years. I feel like I'm too far in to be like, sorry, what the hell is a training contract? So I just, like, yeah. smile. And not or like you know my friend was like oh yeah and I finished f1 and I'm going to f2 and I was like okay so are you a doctor or not like I don't understand what you're talking about here oh, yeah um, and you're so, you're so right like how the hell do I expect to go up to somebody else and well I don't need to go up to somebody else and ask them because I can just read all about it on your gorgeous website exactly which I absolutely <laughs> adore and I love all the different profiles you've got and stuff it's so such a there's such a breadth of um interviewees on there as well which I really love because yeah. I feel like the the wiggly career path as it were I think is something that a lot of people think is only the property of uh creatives in inverted commas or you know self-employed people or is actually you know there's people who are employed in quite traditionally technical or scientific roles who still have had a really varied and interesting um unpin downable career path and yeah I just absolutely love how broad your spectrum is on your website of people that you speak to I think it's so so fascinating oh well thank you and we're adding new people all the time and every single profile that comes in I'm just so excited <laughs> <laughs> do you do that thing where you're like I can't believe this is my job like because that's how I feel about this podcast like I can't believe that it, I've carved this role for myself where I just get to chat to people about what they do and what they like like what an absolute joy <laughs> I know and and then I go bouncing around going did you know that this is a job can you believe it and look this is what they do <laughs> You and I, uh, I think we might have been separated at birth. Just you're speaking my language completely. Um, So I did promise that at some point I would start to talk about enthusiasm. Um, In your answer to what are you enthusiastic about at work, you said about um, the spirit of creativity. And we've kind of talked about that um, already in terms of kind of your career path. Um, But then also what you said was that you... that kind of led on to more about letting women know there's no reason to feel limited Mm. which I absolutely adore um could you talk a bit more about that please and kind of what your yeah just what your thoughts are on that yeah so I was thinking more after I sent that email to you actually about what it is that kind of links my different work Mm. um, areas together and I think it's actually a passion for empowering women Mm -hmm. because I feel that with the sewing side of things there's something really empowering for women if they can make their own clothes. I think sewing is incredible in that way because you are no longer, once you can sew, you're no longer a slave to what designers or shops or factories think you should be wearing. You can just choose your own colors, choose your own style, choose your own prints, you know, remake clothes, refashion things and make it all to fit your body. And that's so liberating and it's one of the most rewarding parts of my sewing work is when you see someone has taken one of my designs and they've just turned it into something that's so completely unique for them and for their lifestyle, wherever they are in the world. I just find that incredible. It's very inspiring for me. Yeah. And then that sort of is the same thing that I'm trying to do in a way with the career girl. I feel that knowledge is, is the route to power. And if we can just 
get more information out there to women about the world of work, about the different jobs that people can do. You know, the, I think the problem is there's just so many roles out there that people don't even know exist. But furthermore, they don't know what early steps can lead to. They think that they're pigeonholing themselves maybe if they study economics or English at university. You know, people think if you study English, you've got to go on and become an English teacher or work in yeah. publishing. But the people that we've got on the site who studied English, well, there's me, and obviously I did go on working publishing, but now I run a sewing pattern company. But the other two um, English graduates, one of them works in marketing at Google, and she's lived in California for some years. Dream. And the other one is like managing European brand partnerships at Twitter and is a DJ at weekends. Love like, This is so cool. That's the... The degree choices, even the early job choices you make, do not set your path in stone. You can still become whatever you want to be, provided someone tells you it's out there. Yes. Oh, my God. This is like, I'm actually getting little goosebumps because I did. I'm just going to tell you my life story here now. Um, I did philosophy at uni, which I really enjoy from like a... Um, uh, like I'd love to chat to anyone about it down the pub like I enjoy kind of wider philosophical questions at to a point but I really didn't enjoy it in a learning environment and I really panicked in my uni years that I had completely um really set myself on a narrow path that I wouldn't be able to come back from um Mm. and so and I mean I've kind of I mean mean, I'm a professional enthusiast I've made my own job title up obviously like nobody (laughs) nobody knew that was out there before and if they did they certainly didn't tell me but yeah I just think yeah I mean it goes back to what I said before about the fact that it's so great that these profiles are out there and you're so right as well about um yeah the, the empowerment of it it's the knowledge isn't it it's knowing that it is out there and even if you don't find your specific thing out there it's knowing that other people have carved their path for themselves and also yeah. the, the honesty and relatability to which you go down to like I thought it was really important and um applaudable as well that you were saying that your you know VNA placement was unpaid because I think that's so important as well to be able to have these open and honest conversations about yeah. how you know the, the the nuts and bolts the mechanics of how people got to where they are um because I do think um I'm very much a big proponent of do what you love as a life mantra and motto but I also do think that sometimes that can be a bit of a you know a bit of an empty platitude and so actually mm. telling people like yes you know I'm doing what I love now but I had six years of doing this and I had this handout and blah 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 I think that's so important as well so yeah I just think it's such a I'm just going to keep saying this such a useful resource <laughs> I love it so much oh, thank you but I think um just to pick on up on your last point I think you're so right it's about getting specific information out there because mm. it's at the moment there's like a privilege issue it's not just that and some people can't get into certain industries or roles because you're expected to do unpaid work but there's like a no one's even talking about that yeah people aren't saying well look everyone who's there worked six months part-time waitressing jobs and part-time free in a museum and you know unless we're actually honest about the realities of how people are getting places we can't begin to change it and open the world of work up to people who are less privileged oh I love that Nina for prime minister that's what I say uh-huh. um <laughs> that was a wry like mm. um 
So moving on to um, play, um, mm. what are you enthusiastic about at play? So I realised after, again, after emailing you that actually I'm mostly, my big driver in life is work. So mm-hmm. I'm predominantly thinking about work all of the time and not in a weird workaholic way, but because I've created work that I love doing, yep. that's my main thing. Then the rest of the time I'm, I'm pretty much a work hard, play hard kind of personality. <laughs> um, I think I, yeah, describe myself as dual personality in the email because essentially you will either find me partying really hard at 2am forcing everyone to do another random shot of limoncello (laughs) in egg cups because I've run out of shot glasses (laughs) incredible and barring the door and not letting people leave until we've danced one more dizzy rascal track or something (laughs) I love it um or I will be sat quietly on the sofa doing cross-stitch, listening to Agatha Christie novels. I mean, very similar. The Dizzy Rascal of her generation, so for sure. <laughs> I love that. I mean, as I as you were saying about your um, wild party antics, I was just looking at a photo of you wearing the most incredible feather-trimmed velvet trousers ever. Oh. So I do believe that you have that side to you, Nina. I am very much aware of that element of you. But I love that. I think that's such a such a great duality to have I'm very much the same I'm like very all or nothing Um, Mm. and I think that's kind of probably quite frequent in people who kind of live the work hard play hard life as well because you don't do things by halves do you like you're either fully involved on the party scene or you're fully involved with the book and there's not like yeah yeah I get you I get you yeah Um, there's so much talk about introverts or extroverts and not enough talk about the fact that you can kind of be both yes yeah, I don't actually, I don't really know what extrovert and introvert mean anymore. <laughs> I feel like I don't know what the words mean, and I don't know which one I am, but I think that's okay. Yeah, there's too much labelling going on. Exactly. Um, what's your current, what's your current, like, um, sewing project that you've got on the go? Because obviously I know you make your incredible patterns, which are all, they're all named after places in London, aren't they? They are, yes. Yeah. Um, which is getting harder, actually. <laughs> Um, yeah, they're all named after places in London. And then if you buy the printed version of the pattern, the packaging comes with little street illustrations of that neighbourhood. Oh, how beautiful. That, um, that I've done myself because I really enjoy drawing streets in London. <laughs> I mean, amazing. I, God, um, I love everything. You, your Instagram feed is just a dream. But what are you, what are you making at the moment? What's your next on the list? Oh, I'm making a few things actually, because I've you know always got multiple things. I, I was going to say that, that you don't need to explain that one. That doesn't surprise <laughs> me at all. <laughs> In lockdown, I've started for the first time ever making bras. Uh huh. Amazing. And I'm now completely addicted, and I've had to now make bags because I can't fit all the bras I've made into my underwear drawer. Um, so I've just got these little bags of bras around the place. Oh my goodness, it's just the most satisfying thing I've ever made. <laughs> That, but like I used so I used to be a bra fitter um ah. that is it's less sewing and more engineering like there's a lot of wires and mechanics involved and is yeah. that a skill you just decided one day you were going to do and then found a tutorial for no so there are bra sewing patterns out there oh. and they just give you um very helpful step-by-step instructions so it is quite different to all the other kinds of sewing yeah but because you're working with quite small pieces and it's not actually a huge um, project, you get results quite quickly. So you get quite 
early on to the point where you're like, is this a fitting bra? Does this work for me? And none of the seams are that big that if you need to unpick it and reverse, you're not going to be there for that long. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of obsessed. I and now started following all these like lingerie designers on Instagram to get inspiration for my future outrageous underwear that obviously I'm just wearing around the house (laughs) (laughs) yeah for the foreseeable Nina you might have I mean you've inspired me obviously in multiple ways during this chat alone but you might have inspired me to just start making my own bras because my beef with bras is that obviously they're I mean they're a fundamental of life don't get me wrong but as somebody with a large chest they are quite expensive and you know there's a limited range because of the size that I am and whatever I have never thought and this is very much a problem on my end not on anybody else's end I've never thought about being able to make my own I think because I didn't realize that they were as accessible as Mm. sewing pack like because I understand how to make clothes I can't do it very well but I understand the basics like I've got a sewing machine that I kind of gabble with and I never kind of thought that there would be a very similar process for not for underwired bras anyway I thought there would be for yeah I thought there would be for non-wired bras but I didn't realize there would be for underwired bras but you've you've been dabbling in some underwire as well yeah yeah and um if you if you're like a complete beginner the new craft house the girls there they run obviously not at the moment, but in-person bra-making workshops. So you go for a weekend and you make an entire underwired bra that fits you over a weekend. Oh my God, Nina, I am so excited by this. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God, because I am, one of the things I wanted to do before, again, floss, who was just the worst choice for me, but one of the things I wanted to do before that was I wanted to go into construction and garment. That was what I originally thought about applying for. Um, Oh my God, this is so exciting. (laughs) Yes, it really is. I mean, I'm someone that also has had problems buying bras in the past. And I mean, I had one experience where I was a bridesmaid and I wore this wonder bra get up and it dug into me so badly that by the end of the wedding, I was bleeding oh. under my dress. And I had a scar for two years on my side from a bra. And after that, I was just like, never again am yeah. I going to wear. We, do, we deserve better. <laughs> something that's going to actually cut me as I wear it. Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, I solidarity with you, but I'm not surprised. Some of the things I saw in the in the it's like it's the it's a cause I really have thought about championing over the years. But oh my god, this is so exciting! This is like a live recording of just pure glee. <laughs> I'm about to give so craft house about twenty five thousand pounds of my new craft house like take my money i want to learn how to make a bra well and again it comes back to empowering women because if every woman was wearing a comfortable bra that supported her she could just get on with life <laughs> much more efficiently nina i actually think we are I mean, the same person is insulting to you, but I actually think we are the same person. This is so, (laughs) everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes, this is so true. Oh my God, I love it. Um, Right, I'm going to reframe, regroup, take a deep breath. Um, Let's talk about what you're enthusiastic about in life, because um, you mentioned um, California, London and Singapore. And I mean, you didn't say this in as many words, but I think what kind of what came through to me in that paragraph was that you're really enthusiastic about don't know whether it's traveling or home or exploring um so can you talk a bit more about why those three places obviously have such importance to you and yeah just a bit more about that if that's all right yeah of course so I love to describe myself as a Londoner even though I was born and bred outside of London in Hertfordshire <laughs> desperately always trying to inch my way closer um, <laughs> I, I describe zone one as a whole as my spiritual home sure yeah um, <laughs> 
I, I really, really love London. I feel so lucky to be living here and so excited, to be honest, every day to be in this city. I think we have all these amazing free museums and art galleries. We have world-class theatre and places where you can get up at queue at 4am to get a £5 seat to see some incredible actors perform. You know, it's just such an exciting place. You could go out every night in London every day for a year and still you wouldn't have done everything and I also think we're a much friendlier city than people give us credit oh my god yes (laughs) I've definitely seen that like in lockdown as well on the streets people have been nice yeah I really liked it I think I think a lot of London's supposed um coldness and not friendliness is people convoluting that with busyness like people in London are really busy but you know there's such an incredible community spirit there's so much history here um and I'm from I don't know if I've said this on a previous episode or maybe I've just been bitching about it to other people not on record I forget that some of my life isn't recorded um but I'm from Yorkshire and I've experienced much like more um exclusive in kind of like terms of exclusionary atmospheres in in the attitude of people up north than I have in London like generally people in London are quite welcoming I find so yeah Yeah. I completely agree well I think you pretty much have to be quite open to be here in London because there are so many different types of people and everyone is able to be I think who they want to be or at least I hope that's the case and we're moving in that direction you can dress how you want in London you can eat any kind of food you want you can meet like-minded people that's why I I just yeah (laughs) I'm evangelical about London (laughs) Um, I'm very much the same but I was actually supposed to have moved to California in May um, because my husband works for Rivian which is an electric car company um based on the west coast and yeah essentially we were supposed to be moving out there and that's been put on indefinite hold because not only covid but trump has also withdrawn the rights to certain visas um he's targeting silicon valley in particular um so our visa is not actually viable at the moment either so that's great um which is really weird because (laughs) essentially at the start of this year, I was like, well, I'm just going to wind things down with the business a bit for a while. And I'm going to quieten down these areas because this year is going to be focused on the move. Yeah. And then we kept thinking we might still be able to move. Even after we were in lockdown, we thought, well, as soon as international travel is reinstated, we can go. And then, of course, the visa ban came into place. And that's currently until the end of this year. Mm. and obviously then there'll be like a backlog of applications and all this stuff so we've got no idea we're just um staying in London for the foreseeable future which obviously as I'm as I've made clear is not the worst thing that could happen to me (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was Um, gonna say it really sounds like you hate it as a place so I'm very (laughs) sorry to hear that but genuinely that is a that is a real bummer isn't it but yeah Yeah. California as a place is when you get there though it'll be equally as magical I think I mean, I'm really excited because it's very different. Um, I, Whilst I'm a city girl, I do love the big, great outdoors. I love mountains. I'm very excited about the surfing and about mm. the fact that you can see whales. I'm completely obsessed with seeing whales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not many so, of them in the Thames. And when they are there, it's more of a cause for concern rather than a cause yeah, for celebration. Exactly. So I'm very excited to see them just happily splashing about in their intended environment 
And so many more yeah. museums for you to explore. I know. And San Francisco, which is where we'll kind of be based, is just such an amazing city. There's so much going on there. Um, so it's, it doesn't feel like a, a bad alternative to London. Um, yeah, so I was, I was really geared up and I'm still really excited for when we do get to move because I think the challenge of moving to a new place and just having to completely start afresh is really exciting and it jolts you into, well, it you know, knocks off any like bad habits, I think, that you've developed. Yeah. Otherwise, I feel like it would be very easy for me to sort of settle into becoming one version of myself mm -hmm. and not realizing that there are other versions that I could be yeah that yeah. makes that makes total sense I mean as you were saying that I was like okay here I found our first difference because moving to new places absolutely terrifies me but oh. you are so <laughs> but like I feel terrified by it but also excited that definitely sometimes I do wish like that I you know I do wonder whether if I was employed by somebody and I was on a kind of in a, in a job role that required me to go to New York and move to New York or something I feel like I would find that exciting as well as absolutely shitting myself obviously um, oh yeah I mean it's terrifying <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong <laughs> it's still really scary but it, yeah it's a big adventure um I think because the reason I said that I am enthusiastic about Singapore is because I am half Singaporean and a lot of my family's out there and we moved there as a family when I was eight years old for two years mm -hmm. um, and that wasn't specifically for my parents work or anything it was just an experiment that they decided to see what it was like for us as a family to live there and it was so I think influential on my worldview this idea that you can just move you can try something else you can try yeah. a different culture and and what I really love about traveling is when you spend long enough in a country that you really become part of that country's community or society that you are, you know, relating to the, the local people in a way that you can't do as a tourist. Yes. I mean, I spent my gap year in Australia and I went for six months of that without meeting any Brits because I lived in a really remote town where there's absolutely zero tourism um and I developed an Australian accent which was amazing. very amazing when I called home but it was great because I actually was I was working in a hospital cafe and I was just spending time with the other Australians that lived there yeah and it was so much more interesting than if I'd gone and just traveled around Australia with a group of Brits I think yeah no definitely Oh God, Nina, you are so inspiring. It's it's such a honour to chat to you because I just your worldview is just so refreshing. Isn't necessarily the right word, but it's just so inspirational and aspirational. And I just yeah, I love it. I love it all. And this is, I mean, this is somebody who's lived in like three places, only one of which is her choosing. But um, and my places were Ely, Hull, and London. So not quite as exotic <laughs> as Australia, California, Singapore, and London. However. Um, yeah, I absolutely love it all. Thank you so, so much for coming on. It's been an oh, absolute pleasure for having, for having me. you. It's been um, really brilliant. Could you please let people know where they can find um, you and the Career Girl and Nina Lee online if they are as in love with you as I now am? Of course. Um, so the Career Girl on Instagram, we are the underscore career underscore girl. And the website is thecareergirl.org. And then for my patterns, I'm... Nina Lee London and basically searching that on Instagram or Googling that will bring up my stuff. Amazing. Yeah. 
thank you so much, Nina. Um, it was such a pleasure to chat. And yes, hopefully I will see you soon in real life in Pip Jolly's kitchen once oh, again. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Imagine if Pip's listening to this, like, why will you be in my kitchen? I'll be like, I'll sort the details out later, Pip, but I just, I'm going to come and see Nina there, all right? <laughs> yeah, I, oh, the economy food. It's oh, just amazing. <laughs> I think about that goat's cheese log most days of my life. Yeah. I think, yeah, recently um, photos on my phone was like, Here's some memories from six months ago. And you were like, brilliant. <laughs> oh, thanks, now I'm in a pit of depression. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for listening to that episode of The Enthusiast and Co. This is the bit where I tell you where you can find me. Um, I am on Instagram at theenthusiast.co, on Facebook forward slash The Enthusiast co and on twitter at eleanor kime uh, k-i-m-e my website is theenthusiast.co if you're looking for my merch any more resources or my blog um, and you can sign up to my email newsletter there as well thank you so much for listening speak to you next time